0: We welcome you to The Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Okay, so that's that. Um, And then can we just look into the whole thing about late coming we, we start at five thirty sometime last year we, we we looked at it and we agreed that five thirty was fine right we tried to we, I suggested moving it to six we all said no five thirty was fine. I know some of you have um, very very pressing constraints um, but we start in this house at five thirty and we take we take punctuality very seriously again it's part of the honor code. Do we understand that? do we understand that so by now we should take that very seriously. Our call time is five thirty. We have to do, and I, and I hate to want to have to do that as a personal measure because as we grow, I said to you last week that maturity is not a process; it's a decision informed by revelation. So I hate to want to get to the point, and I'm, I, I I trust God that I'm not going to become a changed man, you know. But but we need to put our foot down and straighten some things out, All right? So so the liberty that God gives us. Is is a bondage that frees and a freedom that binds. I've taught you that in this house, right? That's what Paul would say. Paul, a bond servant of Christ, is a liberty that binds and a bondage that frees. So we are saved from the from the world, free from the world and bound to Christ. We are bound in Christ and free. Does that make sense? So please, I understand we're coming from different places. That's all Daniel's football philosophy was trying to tell you was just to put off the old man along with all his members, right? Efficiency. Put off all the nasty habits you've picked up. Otherwise, like I said to you a few weeks ago, you end up coming into this house and bringing the problem that you, you, you said you ran away with or from, where you're coming to us from. Does that make sense? And then you end up becoming the very problem in this house that you thought you ran away from in your old house. Which makes us conclude that all along in your old house, you were the problem. They don't, they don't, they're not very, very spiritual. They don't preach the word, they dilute it, they service drugs a lot, blah, 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 but you you come late. You're in a house where you you feel or you believe that God has checked all those boxes, but you don't respect time. If you're if you're late in a gathering of the church, you have disrespected the church. You've disrespected church leadership, and you have disrespected the saints. And you have disrespected God. Remember the four years of the honor code? The room is quiet now. Yes. Four years of the honor code. You disrespect the church as an institution. You disrespect the saints that make up together, make up the church. You disrespect church leaders. And you disrespect God. There's no honor in that. And that grieves the spirit of God. You can't be a responsible believer and be walking in late. You can't. We're not a church looking for... We don't measure church growth by numerical values. Hello? We're not. God God forbid the day that we'll measure church by how many we have now become. We were six when we started. No fly, no no handbill, no nothing. God brings, God adds to the church, right? Himself. We're not counting people. We're looking at people that are growing and being discipled in the faith. That's my heart. Not for the room to be full. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. Do plan your day with the gathering of the saints in mind. That's when you're a responsible believer. Not at 5 o'clock you start to rush and wind down. You're planning ahead. You know, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, it's whatever day you hold there, by your Romans 14 interpretation. You begin to plan towards that meeting ahead of time. Plan when to wind down. Plan how you appear, your countenance, your time, your travel. Factor those things. Our walk with God is not an afterthought. Do we understand what I'm saying? It's not. I wake up in the morning. I live here by myself. I set up this place by myself. I turn all the ACs on. I start to plan. I start to act from the morning. And I'm the pastor. I do that because I'm planning ahead. In addition to preparing the teaching. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So if everybody is supposed to be of the same mind. Then everybody should be Thinking of the meetings, the meetings that we gather together to have with that in view. Plan your day with that in view. It's not an afterthought. It's disrespectful. So can we agree on that now? Can we agree on that? Yes. You see, when it's time to chastise, everybody goes quiet. I'm cracking jokes. Everybody's laughing. I'm leading worship. You're under your chairs. I'm being an apostle now. You're looking at me funny. Can we agree on that? I, I, will not, I will not be said to love you if I don't tell you the truth. And I will not patronize anybody. I will not. Because we raise a bunch of irresponsible people. And then we have added to the problem we're trying to solve by God. Make sense? So let's, let's deal with that as, as well. If you're not a medical practitioner on call, you're, on a, you're supposed to be on a shift or you're off shift, but you're on call, then by now we should not have to tell you that your mobile phones should—it's part of thinking ahead, right? Right? Yeah. Mobile phones—if you don't—if you're not switching them off or putting them on on flight mode or whatever—the least you can do is make sure they don't ring out, at the very least, and they don't vibrate. How much more that you're leaving the meeting when the word is being taught and you're going out to take phone calls? Do you think the early church behaved like that? It's—it's it's absolutely dis- distracting. And then by time we settle, you know, and then it's time to teach the word. It's, time is gone. Have you noticed? And then I'm under pressure because there's stuff that the spirit of God needs to pass across. But we spend time doing mundane things, All right? Last thing, building project is on, All right? But I don't. I, I'm not comfortable having to stand and talk about monies. Those of you that are close to me know. I'll just push and push and push. Whatever it takes, I'll get it done. And the reward goes to whoever, whoever the reward goes to. You know, I'm not comfortable about talking about money. I'm not. I find it very difficult. Very difficult. But can we just take responsibility for this and get it done? Right? I don't see any reason why they couldn't deliver this thing tomorrow morning. Right? Pay them the 40 grand and pay, buy the sand for 20 grand and then the work starts. If we started tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're done. The walls are up. The wall up there is down. The room is open. The doors are in. And then we start to think of electricals. Changeable. Then we turn our sides to the gen. Fix the gen. Seal the windows. We have to start somewhere and run. Right? Right? Let's get this thing done. God meets the needs of the church through the church. Right? He doesn't call us to something that he doesn't believe we have the capacity to do. And we have the capacity to do. It's amazing how much everybody's little can stretch. It's amazing. Don't, don't discount it. Don't think, oh, "Well, my 2,000 is not. Start. He gives seed to the sower. I don't want to be that kind of church where we are coming to constantly talk about money. I don't want to be it. Right? But at the same time, I don't want to be the pastor that is carrying heartaches because of stuff that should have been done, that could be done, that haven't been done. Trust me, it affects how we minister. You know how pastors try to hide it and dress up and cover it. But it affects how we minister. So everybody, pull, pull it together, man. It's not, it's not a lot. So let's get that sorted. So let's get that sorted. In Luke chapter 8, you see where Jesus is ministering and, and you find that there was women that worked with him that bankrolled the ministry. God didn't send money to drop from heaven even though he could have. Just like when Jesus said, I can call my father now. And he will send legions of angels. One legion is between four and 6,000 soldiers. I can call my father right now on this cross, he will send legions of angels. So he had that at his disposal, but he subjected himself to earthly laws. And women, including chief of staff to Herod, his wife, Susanna, and others, Salome, Mary Magdalene, they ministered to him. They took care of his needs. Paul, same thing in Philippians 4. He says, I have everything I need because you have supplied, right? And it was on account of that that he said, now my God. So don't 419 Philippians 419. Yeah, you know how Christians have made Philippians 419 into Philippians 419. There was something preceding uh huh. Everybody's quiet now. But you can't come and quote, you can't come and lift Philippians four nineteen and quote it, and you don't go through from verse ten and understand the narrative up to verse nineteen. It's four one nine. All right. So so that's that. We need to finish the honor code. Um, I'm I'm very certain I can do it in half an hour, but again, you have taken all the time we spend it doing things like this. Um, and, and, and again, one of the things I'm trying to not do is to come forward in life and not allow anyone to speak because we're trying to redeem time. Because you know, it's very easy to lose the things that were organic and natural to you when you started. You know, it's very easy. And I'm trying to be conscious of that, but then we come in late, we waltz in late, and then everyone's taking too long to settle in. We were there on the, on the Friday, we said 4 p.m. As of you were coming at 4.30, and you were strolling as though you were going home. I had to scream at you, Ephraim and Samuel and who was the third person? Esther? Loretta? I had to scream at you from upstairs. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You're, you're late and you're walking around like you're going home. Nothing's up. Puff should wait for you. Because he says, how are you doing? What's up? He's not wearing his suit and has bodyguards. It's the honor code, right? Maturity is not a process. It's a decision informed by revelation. Let's fix up. Let's fix up. Don't don't become crazy. Don't become puffed up. Yeah? Knowledge puffs up. Don't become puffed up. The more you understand the workings of God, the humbler you actually become. Do you understand? That's the true test of growth. It it reflects in a life of humility because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And then you want to know can't be proud. It calls you into service. calls you into service. You hear Funke Felix Adedjumot say all the time that till today she still goes to church to sweep to ensure that she keeps her feet on the ground. It calls you into humility. So don't, don't let stuff get into your head. We haven't started. Hello? We haven't started. Don't fix up. Fix up. Tell your neighbor, fix up. Alright? Fix up. I, I want to wrap this up. Honor code. I-, I-, I don't think I'll finish it today. So I'll just do it as the Lord lays on my heart to do. Because we have to deal with it. So we've been dealing with honor code and scriptures, I've showed you over and over, scriptures abound about the honor code, right? About honor. God is big on honor. It's one of the central themes of the scriptures. It's one of the central themes of Jesus' teaching. He spoke a lot about honor. He operated from the place of honor. He enforced the place of honor. The apostles come along as well and they are big on honor. Honoring God, honoring the saints, honoring the church, yeah, and honoring church leaders. Okay. Our walk of faith, therefore, is not complete without or in the absence of honor. You cannot, you cannot be said to be a believer and not walk in honor, right? Ephesians says it. Colossians says it even about children honoring their parents and the Lord. So we cannot be said to be walking in faith if honor is absent. Honor brings reward. Matthew 10:40, we talked about that when we started the Honor code series. About he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, right? As well as he that gives a cup of water, and that is symbolic, right? Doesn't just mean it literally. He that ministers to a prophet because he's a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. In Second Kings, you have the story of... Of um, Elijah having just been taken up and the mantle come upon Elisha and he's traveling and he comes upon the Shunammite woman in Shunem and she perceives that he's a prophet she receives him as a prophet, she ministers to him as a prophet and she goes further to accommodate him as the prophet and he realizes what can I do for you and you know the rest of the story according to the time of life next year you will have his son. My prophet, don't start what you can't finish. Remember? And he said, the Lord has spoken to you, will bring it to pass. And the story, Elijah had had his own encounter with the woman of Zarephath, who was gathering stuff to go and have the last food she had with her and her son to eat and die. And Elijah said, you want to eat and die, go and do exactly what you have said. In other words, go and eat and die. Because she said, I and my son were gathering to eat, and die. She said, go and do what you have said. But before, (laughs) me, the brook I'm coming from, has dried. The reverend that was bringing meat has been transferred. Me, I want to eat, and live. So before you eat and die, please feed me that I might eat, (laughs) and And, live. And as Selfish as it sounds, she, she goes away and actually feeds the man and secures the rest of her life of supply from honoring one man. They despised Elisha when they left Gilgal to go to Bethel, right? Second Kings 1. The sons of the prophets in Bethel said to him, Why is still following Elijah? Do you not know that he will be taken away from you? He says, I know. Hold your peace. They leave Gilgal and they get to Jericho, right? And the same thing. The sons of the prophet come out again and said the same thing. He says, I know, hold your peace. They leave Jericho and they get to Jordan, right? And they get there and again, the guys are speaking. This time around, the 50 sons of the prophets follow, basically the guys in seminary school, yeah? Bible school. Follow and are watching from afar off. He goes across, all that transpires, transpires. Elisha comes back in the spirit of the Lord and double portion of Elijah's anointing. And the same guys who were criticizing said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they submitted to him and said, can we build a school? So they came and they submit to the, to the grace of God upon Elisha. They honor him. And as they honor him, they draw benefit from him. And you can go all through Scripture. And see what honor does. Honor brings reward. Jesus tells his disciples when he's sending them out, um, the, the the twelve first and then the seventy in twos. If you go to a city and you go to a house, the house in which they receive and honor you, stay there till you leave the city. It wasn't just stay there and eat. He said, Let that be your host until you leave. If they don't accept you, just dust them off your feet. And um, that's one translation in, in Luke. Matthew actually says If they don't accept you, take your peace with you. P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. It says if they receive you, then peace comes upon that house. If they don't receive you, carry your peace and go. That means a house that has not exercised honor knows no peace. That's really deep stuff. And it goes on in Paul's, in, 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 in Jesus' narrative. Peter comes, the apostles come, Paul comes, and they run the same narrative of honor. So we talked about the honor code. I'm not going to run through all of that. If you're just joining us for the first time or second time, it will, you will, it will do you good, especially if you intend to, to be with us and hang around. It will do you good to let us know, and we can give you access to all the previous um, eight episodes so far. Yeah, eight parts so far, all recorded for your benefit. Otherwise, what we're talking about might not be of so much contextual benefit to you. I'm sure you've picked things here and there, you know, but the whole context of it, you can only grasp when you follow through all the recordings. So, if honor brings reward and brings peace, then the absence of honor yeah, disturbs the peace, right? Disturbing the peace. It's actually a contravention of the legal code, right? Disturbing the peace, right? Look at Mark 6. One to six. Quickly. I probably just laid this foundation. I wish I could teach it in one sitting. That's how I feel. But I know that you guys are going to have to start going. Start itching to go very soon. It's almost eight. I really wish I could take my time and teach it in one sitting. I don't want to have to split it between two weeks. I don't feel like that. Mark 6, 1 to 6. Yeah. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph? Joseph and Judas and Simon, and Simon and are not his sisters here with, sisters here with us and they, took at him. and they took offense at him and Jesus said to them a prophet is not without, is not without honor except in his hometown among and among his relatives and in his own household. household. Hear the next verse. And Jesus could not do any mighty work there. Except a heal a few sick people and heal them. And, heal them. and, he, marveled and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he, and, he went about 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 their and he went about among the village's teaching. We've talked about this before in Potakot. I shared that it was one of two times that Jesus marveled. One at unbelief and one at belief. He marveled at lack of faith. He marveled at faith. But they are, they are asking Jesus, ah, we know your four brothers. We know your sisters. Your dad is a carpenter. We know you. you grew up in Galilee. Meanwhile, they were astonished at the miracles. Yeah? They were genuinely marveled. But when they realized it was Jesus, someone to whom they attached no honor, they discounted the miraculous. And so they stifled it. For the text writer to tell you that Jesus didn't do much but just heal a few sick people, tells you that what Jesus did in each city was a phenomenon. If Jesus, if the scripture says, if Mark says, that Jesus did not do anything in there except heal a few sick, and the point I'm making is, if I came for a crusade, and I two blind eyes opened, somebody successfully walked from their wheelchair, four pairs of short hands grew, by every parameter of the miraculous, you would tag that, that crusade, a successful crusade, But in terms of Jesus' walk on the earth, that was a failure. Otherwise, Mark will not tell you that Jesus did not do anything there except heal a few people. Did anybody get the point I just made? That tells us that Jesus arriving in a city shot the city down. It means by the time Jesus was done, there probably would have been no sick person left in the city. Because multitudes thronged him and he healed them all. He healed everybody. But the one time where they successfully stopped Jesus from performing was the absence of honor. Honor stifles the miraculous. So generally when you receive someone for his office, receive someone for his gifting, you set the stage to benefit from that grace. Are you listening to me? Take this very seriously. You set the stage to receive from the grace that person has. You don't take the grace of God upon the life of a person lightly because it determines how much you're able to draw from them. The miraculous boils down to honor. And I, I wish I had time to show you all through scripture. It boils down to honor. The, the Syrian general, Naaman, that, that was lepros. And the housemaid said, there's a prophet. Remember the story? But all it took was to honor the word of the servant of God and the miraculous was released. Therefore, honoring your pastors means to receive them as men of God and to respect them as such. Honoring your pastors means to receive them as men of God, and to respect them as such. Honoring your pastors means to receive them as men of God and to respect them as such. It doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter what they sound like, it doesn't matter how they talk, it doesn't matter how they dress. If you regard your pastor as your pastor, your pastor's as the case will be shortly. Because ministry is always referred to, leadership in ministry in the New Testament is always referred to in a plurality of leadership. Always. So we're starting off from here, but shortly there will be pastors among us. Yeah? So God calls one person, gives a vision. But the church has always, the New Testament church, the way God ordained, has always been run by a plurality of pastors or elders, presbyteros in the Greek. It means pastor, could mean elder, could mean bishop, could mean overseer. Presbyteros or episcopos used interchangeably. So pastors or pastor, as the case may be, depending on where we are honoring them means to receive them as men of God and to respect them as such. We honor them for their office. We honor them for what? We honor them for their office. And we honor them for their work's sake. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. I need somebody who is able to just walk with me and read. Preferably in the New King James for for time's sake. And um, who has a New King James Bible and can get to scriptures really quickly? Yeah? Esther. First Thessalonians 5, 12-13. New King James. And we urge you, brethren, brethren to, recognize to recognize those who labor over you and are over you, and are over you in the... What? In the Lord? And admonish you and, admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be a peace, peace among yourself. Have you found Living Bible? Or, or, or NLT? Yeah. Caleb, read out loudly. Dear brothers. Dear Honor brothers, of the officers of your church. Who work hard among you. And warn you against all that is wrong. That is wrong. Think, highly them, Think highly of them. And give them your whole hearted love. And give them your wholehearted love because they are straining to help you never, never to awesome what does the NIV say now we ask you, we ask you brothers to respect those who work, hard, those who work hard among you, who are, you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you hold them in their highest regard in love because of their work, in love of their work. King James says for their work's sake so we hold them in what kind of regard Is that in your Bible, in whatever translation? Those that labour over you in the Lord and admonish you are worthy of the highest regard. And, And therefore we can say that in every sphere of life, every sphere of leadership, every sphere of influence, in the life of a believer, nobody holds as much regard to them as their spiritual leaders. Have I interpreted that correctly? Because highest regard means highest regard. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes. Nobody in your life, nobody, should have as much esteem in your eyes as the people that labor over you in the Lord and admonish you. Now, this is not my words. As difficult as they are for me to say, is scripture. New Testament from the apostles. So it's doctrine. Yes? Yes? doctrine and the fact that it has been abused doesn't cancel it out so we honor them that's what scripture says rightly interpreted we give them the highest esteem not for their persons not for their personalities not for their educational background not for their wealth not for their looks not for their accents but for their works sake for the sake of what they are doing over you because no other person on earth, has the spiritual jurisdiction over you like your spiritual leader. Do we understand? Every other connection is non-spiritual. So God is not holding anybody else accountable for you. Except your spiritual leader. Hebrews 13. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Your boss ain't gonna answer for you. Yeah? Your dad ain't gonna answer for you. Your wife ain't gonna answer for you. Your pastors will answer for you. And so you must ensure that they do that with joy and not with grief because that is not profitable for you. Hebrews 13, 17. So we honor them for their work's sake. We hold them in the highest esteem. Now see what Paul tells Timothy about church leaders. 1 Timothy 5. 17 to 18. Quickly, loud and strong. First Timothy 5:17 to 18. Let the elders, pastors, overseers, bishops, same word, who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while he threads out the grain and the laborer is worthy of his wages um, um Simon um Caleb Reed Pastors who, who do their work Pastors who do their work well should be paid well, well, should, be paid well. Should, be highly appreciated. should be highly appreciated especially those who work hard especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching For the scripture says, well, the scripture says Never tie up the mouth of an ox, never tie up the mouth of an ox. When it is threading out the grain. Let him eat as he goes along. Let him eat as he goes along. In another place. In another place those, who their pay. those who work deserve their pay. Is that clear enough? Yeah. NIV anyone? Well, the, the elders who direct, direct the affairs of the church. Well. Are worthy of, are worthy of double honor. Especially those, who work. especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says do not muzzle an ox while it is threatened out of grain. Paul, Paul quotes that again in 1 Corinthians 9. Um, and, he, and, and when he says that, he tells them that was God interested in oxen when he said that? Have you seen it before? He argues and tells them that all along when God gave that command in the Old Testament, it wasn't the ox, the cows he was interested in. Because that scripture, that line, do not muzzle an ox, means that if, you know how back in the day the yokes were pulled by two oxen and then they plowed. The plow was attached two oxen and they pulled the plow and that created the ridges for farming right? before it became mechanized. And God's law was that as the two oxen are yoked together pulling the plow don't muzzle them. You know that mat thing they put over their mouth? In other words whatever is available on that land that they are plowing, the two cows that are plowing are lawfully permitted to eat. That was part of the law. Agricultural law, animal rights protection Law. Right? Yeah. Preserve them. Let them. Don't muzzle them. Don't close their mouth. Allow them to eat as they plow the land. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul, because Paul's writings are an exposition of the Old Testament, remember? Scriptures revealed. Paul explains that, you know, it wasn't the cows, unfortunately, that God was concerned about, but his people, his servants. Pastors that rule well. <laughs> should be paid well. It's witchcraft to muscle the people that are plowing the land. It's witchcraft. They're worthy of double honor, it says. So every honor you can muster to anyone and anything, when it comes to spiritual leaders, you double it. Tell your neighbor, double it. Yeah, You double it. So by the time we begin to run ourselves through the honor code test, we realize that we haven't started this honor business if we're going to be very honest with ourselves. We haven't started the honor business. If we're going to be honest with ourselves and practice the word of God, if we really are going to be a people for whom the word alone is sufficient, then we have a long way to go with honor. And this is New Testament. So you see, it's not licensed for nonsense, the grace of God. It holds us to a higher standard than the law of Moses. Are you realizing it? It actually holds us to a higher standard than the law of Moses. Because we who know Christ should walk according to Christ. Colossians 2.6, right? For as you have received Christ, so therefore, walk in him. And if we're going to walk in Christ and Christ fulfill the law, And we have therefore fulfilled the law in Christ. Therefore, we live above the law. We live by a higher law. We live by a higher law. That's why I started by telling you, especially as young people, don't let your liberty in Christ confuse you to discount or downplay the things that are of eternal value. Do you understand? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't take the simplicity of spiritual leadership where you find it for granted because you know it's very easy to become complacent because your leader smells like the sheep and that's my principle you can't be said to be a shepherd if you don't smell like the sheep what kind of shepherd does that make you if you don't smell like the sheep if you don't look like the sheep if the sheep are not comfortable around you as a shepherd if they have to scamper for safety because ah, hold arrange, 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 pastor is coming how many of you have been there? I've been there how many of you have been there? That is coming. That is coming. Reverend is coming. And you scamper. You arrange. You dry your smile on your face. And so you go from there. You're like, so we are all one in Christ. You're not becoming a rascal. No, you have missed it. Because honor is eternal. It's part of the cross. For their work's sake. So that, that means it's important who you allow to assume that office over you. You cannot choose Not to honor your pastor. You can only choose who to allow to be your pastor. Do you understand? Honor is not a choice. Who you submit to, that is your choice. So think very carefully about that. You cannot have someone who is your spiritual pastor, your spiritual leader, your pastor and decide not to honor them or to honor them on your own terms. Mm-mm. Double honor or nothing. So in other words, if you have not found a person that you can comfortably give double honor to, please keep searching. Are are you, are you hearing me? Yes. Keep Searching, don't mess yourself up because how you know that this is the house God has placed me under, this is the person that can comfortably give account of me in joy and not in grief, is that you will naturally give accord them the highest esteem, first Thessalonians 5. You will naturally accord them the highest honor, first Timothy 5. This is part of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Are we following? Me? Now, it's, I know it's uncomfortable stuff for some of you to hear, but it is the truth. It's in your Bible. It's New Testament. And it's confirmed in many different places. It's uncomfortable for me to be teaching it. I'd rather be teaching it in my friend's church. You know how it is? Yeah. When you're teaching it in your friend's church, you can open your eye and lash it. When it's time to teach your own people. Ah. But are you glad I'm teaching this? Because if you don't know, you don't know. And some of you have worked in dishonor, not because you are dishonorable, but because you just don't know what honor is. True or false. You just don't know what honor is. You don't know what honor boils down to. We hold them in highest esteem. And I, I don't want to go ahead of myself. I'm not going to finish this tonight. I wish I could, but can I go a little bit further? Just a bit further. And we close. We'll not finish it today. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Highest esteem. Highest esteem. We esteem them highly for their work See, I don't, I don't have time to tell you my story growing up and serving my pastor, my spiritual father. It's not, it's not the sweetest of things. And until you get to the point where you're, you're actually... Going out of your way to honor. You haven't begun to honor yet. Honor doesn't happen on your way. It happens out of your way. You cannot be going in a straight line and honor successfully. You have to make detours. You have to go out of your way to honor. Do you understand know what I just said? Honor doesn't happen on your way. It happens out of your way it happens out of your way you honor your pastors and thank God for the privilege to be able to teach what we have practiced it's not convenient to you and if you watch anybody who is steady in ministry and their work with God they have a track record of selfless service anybody who is steady in their work with God has a record of service to God and to men as unto God cuz you can't say you are serving God if at some point you will not serve men as unto God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot say you're serving God if at some point you will not serve men as. We'll continue next week with something that is very dear to my heart, reverence. And to reverence somebody does not mean to call them reverend. I'll show you that next week doesn't mean to call them Papa. Or Father. Or Daddy. Some of you are already doing that with me. It makes me feel very old. And I understand that to some of you, I'm a father figure. I understand that. And people have different persuasions. But then you next week we'll con- contrast Jesus' teachings... In Matthew 26, about not calling anyone father and not calling anyone rabbi or teacher, but Paul coming around and calling Timothy my son in the faith, and calling Titus my son in our common faith, and calling the Galatians my little children, Galatians 4, right, whom I labor over until Christ be formed in you, and telling the Corinthian church, even though you don't, you have many instructors. You don't have many fathers because in Christ I birth you. I love the word of God. So you see again that the whole contextual thing comes into view. Make sense? What does Jesus mean when he says don't call anyone father because we are only one father in heaven. Who was he speaking to? Why was he speaking to them? I've told you guys I'm going to be brutally honest with you about God's word. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Whether it affects me adversely or not, I'm going to be honest with you about God's word. Is that good? Good stuff. we have taken one step further. We can close here. Continue next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for constantly impressing on our hearts the code of honor and letting us see that it is an integral part of the kingdom culture. Help us that as we commit ourselves to this, It grows in us to the point where we honor without effort. We honor effortlessly. That It it, it permeates everything we do. It changes our paradigm. Not for eye service, not for hero worshipping, not for celebrity status, but that Christ be fully formed in us. We thank you. We give you praise. Amen. Good night, everyone. Thanks for coming. See you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to infobasileucommission.org or visit our social media platforms.